so forgive me for that. That sounds really ungodly and fleshly. Okay, right. Isaiah. So, up until Thursday, I wasn't going to speak on this message. I'd already prepared something on Tuesday. And then I was just like speed reading through Isaiah. And if you've ever preached a sermon or give testimony, you've got to really settle in your heart what you're going to share. And uh, if you haven't got settlement, it's really bugging. Like you could hear a hell three-point sermon, every point beginning with P. It might sound good, you can hear some jokes in it, and you've prepared it, but if you haven't got that piece within you, it's a horrible feeling, because you think, I've prepared, but I don't feel right. And so I was out for a, a walk on, on Thursday morning and really praying, and I just remembered this scripture that I had um, been reading. I thought, it's a really good scripture. So then I went and I sat doing, and you, you can, when you're preparing, you can the difference between you putting doing stuff and for you feel so Jesus has got to say because it comes like liquid love and it's like stuff comes from heaven. God uses you and put it doing. And then I was about 10 o'clock on Thursday morning and then at 10 past 10 in the family chat, the mother-in-law, sorry, mother-in-law, Margaret, she's downstairs looking after the kids. <laughs> it's just a joke. I've got a lot of time for Moggy. You see Ken's that, right? So as I was saying, the outlaw put on a message saying a scripture, Isaiah 32, the exact same scripture that I had just sort of prepared for. I thought, isn't God good? He encouraged her. Because I thought, my that's is just exact same scripture I am on. So I'm confident that this has got something to do with the word of the Lord this morning. Isaiah 32, we're going to read for verse 9, but a little bit of background as you read the prophets that in times of blessing, so this is usually for happening every time, that if Israel followed God, His laws, His ways, and the voice of the prophets, so followed His word and the Spirit, they would be blessed as a nation, like naturally blessed. The vineyards would flourish, there'd be new wine, the grain would grow, it'd be called fertile, it would be flourishing because they were right, we God. But what would often happen is God would bless them, they'd get right, we God, great things would happen, and then they would just take their eyes off, it would become about them, and they got safe. And at one point they was desperate, so they cried out to God, at other times it was like, just, we're blessed, and God will always bless us because He's a good God. We don't need to seek Him. We don't need to follow Him. We'll walk away from His truth. We'll never listen to the prophets. We'll get on with stuff. We'll worship false idols. And it's as though God, if He did not follow the truth and He did not follow His Spirit, then He'll sometimes engineer circumstances like a pieces in a chessboard so that He would listen to the circumstances. So when they turn their back during a time or provision, turn their back on God, he would then say, okay, your harvests are going to fail, your wine is going to fail, your vineyards are going to fail, and often this good God would raise up oppressors to oppress his people, not because he's coarse, not because he loved to see his kids, his family, his people being oppressed, but the number one thing in God's heart was return to me. 
that you may live. Come to me. And so if they didn't listen to the truth, they didn't listen to the Spirit, he would sometimes engineer a bad circumstance so that they would begin to rely on him once again. You read me so far. I've got to tell you that so you can how this is coming about. Isaiah 32, a prophetic word. This was in a time of plenty. This was in a time for they were enjoying God's bounty, God's provision. The harvest was good. The wine was good. There was safety on every side. Verse 9 of chapter 32. I'll just read it. Listen, you woman who lie around in ease. Listen to me, you who are so smug. In a short time, just a little more than a year, you careless ones will suddenly begin to care. You careless ones. You've stopped caring about God and your plenty. You've stopped caring about the ways of God, the ways of Yahweh and your plenty. You've relaxed and you've become careless. You careless ones, I'm going to force you to care. That's what he's saying. Suddenly you will begin to care. For your fruit crops will fail. The harvest will never take place. Tremble, you woman of ease. Throw off complacency. Strip off pretty claws. Put on burlap to show your grief. Beat your breasts in sorrow for your bountiful farms. Everything that you had to that is good and plentiful. And your fruitful grapevines, your land will be overgrown with thorns and briars. Your joyful homes and happy towns will be gone. The palace and the city will be deserted. And busy towns will be empty. Wild donkeys will frolic and flocks will graze in the empty forts and watchtowers. That's not good news, is it? That's not what we would say is good news. But we are into the gospel of good news. And here God is saying, look, you've become careless. I'm going to force you to care. I'm going to strip things back so that you would set your affections upon me again. Christ carelessness that would lead to a crisis. Sometimes we can even see us in our society just with these eyes. The buzzword for the day is crisis. Back when we was growing up through the 80s and the 90s, there was just a good vibe. We was taught the Lord's Prayer in school. I wouldn't have said I was a, I guess I was a Christian by default if you had to tick a box when you were younger. It was always, well, I'm a Christian. I've got Christian heritage. Not really believing or went to Sunday school, but not really in a, a firm faith. But it was a time growing up that it just seemed, we didn't really care what a crisis was. If I lived through that period, we had the Iraqi war, which was a crisis per se, but we didn't really live through, our kids live through the day. I'm not saying this is because of this, but we got very careless to do with Christ. We the Lord's Prayer out of schools, we became so liberal, didn't really matter about God's truth wasn't it taught or preached and year by year, little by little, he's been teeing out a society, very Christ carelessness in a day society. Would you agree with that? The day society in general, I'm saying you don't need the gift of discernment, just it's not very godly. 
which only hang after 8 o'clock for 30 minutes, and probably something that's rammed in our throat continuously will be something that's got anti-Jesus lingo. His name is blasphemed, as said before. So, I'm not saying that's to disappoint. I'm just saying Christ carelessness in society, year upon year, no bother, no caring for the very top that is filtered through. If trends continue within 10 year, 15 year, I would say seeing a nativity in a school will either be history or an absolute novelty. You we, Christ carelessness, the things that they pass these days, so anti-biblical. And yet, it is also the buzzword today for our bairns are growing up with crisis upon crisis upon crisis, whether it was the COVID crisis, then we went into crisis we are war. Then we have got, as well, we have got the cost of living crisis. We have also got on top of that another layer, the climate crisis. Crisis, 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 crisis upon crisis. Apparently, if it's going to save the climate, is my car going to be banned for driving in certain parts of Aberdeen? That's the solution. And that's just what the kids are going to get brought up with. Crisis. I want to speak as well just about the crisis of your heart. Because we can speak about crisis in the government, we can feel the only thing that we can pray for is God to move in our nation. A great prayer. But I've had crises in my own heart. I want to get to the root of this problem for me and for yourselves. Listen to this again, the verse 10. In a short time, just a little more than a year, you careless ones, Christ's carelessness will suddenly begin to care. I've been a Christian for 21 years now, praise God. I would love to tell you it's 21 years of unblemished sainthood. Sometimes within that 21 years, I've got Christ careless. Devotional time has went down. Love for Him has dwindled, And you can be in the ministry and you can go through Christ carelessness. Things that you used to hold dear to the truth, the prayer life, the devotion, the love to see the move of the Holy Spirit and seeing people get saved. But sometimes the world can take our focus. The different agendas can take our focus. You feel sapped to energy. And it's now just Walking up one morning, so I'm going to be a backslid and Christian, but Christ's carelessness can affect every single person in here on a given time. Leader, elders, deacons, worship team members, them that serve teas, coffees, serve on the sound desk, we're all immune, we're all, sorry, not immune, by Christ's carelessness. You we, ma? So this could be for us all. You careless ones will suddenly begin to care. For your fruit crops will fail and the harvest will never take place. Tremble, you woman of ease. It's something I remember in Teen Challenge how desperate Abdi was for Jesus in the morning. You're in a rehab. You've had a life of addiction and misery. You've had a life of robbing and stealing and destroying other people's life. You go to their chapel services from Sundays, go to a guitar worshiping Jesus. You see a bunch of desperate people, can in the darkness but embracing the light. That was my experience. But also seeing people, God answer their prayers. So they'd be praying and begging God for a future. 
that God would restore relationships that had been broken, and then God would answer their prayers. And then a few years later, they got careless, and God blessed them. And while they were blessed, they forgot Jesus that blessed them to start with. And here we have got God speaking to a blessed people. You've become careless. Your fruit crops will fail. Your harvest will never take place. Tremble, you woman of ease. Throw off complacency. Strip off your prayer clothes. Put on burlap to show your grief. Beat your breast in sorrow for your bountiful farms and your fruitful grapevines. For your land will be overgrown with thorns and briars. Listen, as your joyful homes and happy towns will be gone. Christ's carelessness leads to a crisis in your heart. The nobody can see, but if you keep it up, it will be made manifest in the months and years to come, for you will always reap a harvest that you have sown unto both good and evil. A crisis in your heart. We can speak about the nation. We can speak about what's gone wrong, about a crisis. But sometimes the greatest crisis in my life is my heart. That through Christ's carelessness, complacency, it says that that thorns are going to come in and suffocate your heart and sap you of joy. Sometimes in a place, nobody sees, out for the Sunday service. Because in a Sunday service, nobody's fine, isn't they? Because we say, how are you? I'm doing good, I'm doing good, I'm doing good. But how are you on the Wednesday, on a Thursday, on a Friday? It says that thorns and briars, verse 13, thorns was a sign of sin. There was no thorns in the garden of Eden, then Adam and Eve sinned, and it says their roses are going to have a problem. They've got to have thorns in them. Every time you look at a thorny rose, it's a mark of sin. We're supposed to walk in the garden of Eden with no thorns. Interestingly, it's a sign of sin. If it was Jesus' crown meadow, it was a crown of thorns. It's a sign of the work of sin, and God's purpose for you is that you would have full joy in Him, that you would have full peace in Him, that your heart would be free in Him. But sometimes you just carelessness, lack of devotion to the world, world sometimes the things that the world come into our life, and nobody sees it. The thorns can suffocate your joy, can suffocate your heart. Clarity gives way to just confusion. Fellowship gives way to bitterness. Freedom gives way to being bound and broken. Salvation gives way to feeling lost again, and you feel like that sheep that has went astray, and nobody knows, nobody sees, but God. And then your heart, thorns, strangling the very life of God for you. Oh, you can pretend outwardly. Oh, you can smile and tell God you happy and blessed you are, but inwardly, you're wasting a while. Out with the public eye. Have you ever been there? Anybody? Just me. Just me. Just me. 
joyful homes and happy towns will be gone. The, you used to say, like Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now you feel as though the joy of the Lord is so far removed. And you feel like turning to every single thing in this life will try and give you that happiness once again. And you're failing, you're failing, you're failing. And the joy is sapped. And you feel tired and you feel weary. It doesn't matter how much people pat you in the back and say you're a good guy, you're a good girl. God's got a plan and a purpose for you. But inside you're like, I've held it so much times. But the thorns, my carelessness has led to inward crisis. And yet we come and we can sing songs the old Sunday school songs have got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart today. And I'm so happy. <laughs> but it kind of, it's not always a song of our heart, but we can still sing the songs. Am I right? You can still look at the words, listen to the team, and you can still Sing the songs, but inward, something's missing. Again, in Nehemiah, he came before he'd heard us that Jerusalem lay in ruins, and he came before the king sad. And the king noticed he was sad, and he was like, why are you so sad? And you can just read that. The king's just asking him a question. You can, that... You wasn't allowed to be in the king's presence sad. Like, it was supposed to be so important for the king and for you to be in the presence of the king, you had to smile and you had to be joyful. You could not be in the presence of an earthly king sad. For his presence was supposed to be enough to bring you joy. And so, for Nehemiah king came before the king sad, he took his life in his hands because the king could have noticed he was sad, and if he didn't have a good reason, he could have sent him to the gallows. Because there's something about being in the presence of the king, King Jesus, that's supposed to be on its own joy and love and righteousness. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. And yet we see here a time that God was going to cause a scenario that joy was going to be sapped. It was going to be replaced with sadness. And they were going to feel the sting of the thorns. Your joyful homes and happy towns will be gone. The palace and the city will be deserted and busy towns will be empty. Empty. Well, you might come to church you say you're a Christian, but yet sometimes we carry this emptiness, this crisis of emptiness. Wild donkeys will frolic and flocks will graze in the empty forts and watchtowers. I'm not going to say to you I've been a Christian 21 years, and every day I've been full of overflowing with His presence. Sometimes through carelessness, I have been empty. And in place of joy, I have felt the sting of the thorn. A crisis in a heart 
you will know and God will know. Emptiness. God's desire for you is never be empty, but sometimes He will use that empty heart to get you back. That if He filled you while you are Christ careless and walking on waffy truth and His Spirit, if He filled you during that time, would that be right? That's just making a complete mockery of the presence and the fullness of Jesus. And sometimes your crisis will lead you to a place of Christ-centeredness, and it will be your gift if you are big enough and honest enough and humble enough to say before a living, loving God, I feel empty and I feel so all my joy is gone. The thorns have come in. I feel sapped of strength and I'm feeling weary. Because look what happens next, straight after the emptiness. Verse 15. There will be a period of emptiness, there will be a period of joy being devoid until fun. It's not until some clouds form in the sky and bring some rain to get your harvest back. Until at last, we are living in the last days. You might come here this morning. The thorns might be suffocating the life of Christ out of you. You may be being Christ careless coming in. You may be find yourself in a crisis of the heart. And you're looking for different solutions and different avenues and different programs. But Isaiah 32 says this, you will be in that condition until at last the Spirit is poured out on us from heaven. Until God comes and sorts you out, you'll remain empty. God is a solution to your problems. God is the solution to humanity's problems. How's this nation going to be one back again? Is it too late? No. We need to believe that the Spirit can be poured out upon flesh and God can turn the tide. We will not win this, this nation back to Jesus by our debates on social media and Facebook. We need the Spirit to move. We need God to come down and God to fire us up. The church first. God to set us on fire. God to cause us to be courageous and bold. God to stretch forth His hand through His Spirit upon the church to win back people, young people, kids, all people, rich people, poor people, black people, white people, male and female. God has promised that He would meet the needs of people Himself. He sent His Son to die for us. Life Himself, but was resurrected on the third day, ascended to the right hand of the Father. And I'm better at shouting the gospel than singing. <laughs> he would pour forth His Spirit to be poured out upon us. And look what happens when the Spirit begins to move. You might feel empty. I pray that you get filled up. Neo another theology, neo church moralistic attitude, but you need a fill of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's the only 
power and the only presence that will fill your vacuum and fill your void. You can try everything else, but God will always hear you coming back to Him. The wilderness, no ifs, no buts, no maybes. He says you, there will be a wilderness until this happens. No natural rain, spiritual rain. Then the wilderness, the wilderness will become a fertile field. This righteousness will bring peace. Yes, it will bring quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in safety, quietly at home. They will be at rest. No longer chalked out with thorns. No longer hearing the life of Christ sucked face. They will be at rest. Verse 19. Even if the forest should be destroyed and the city torn down, the Lord will greatly bless His people. Wherever they plant seed, bountiful crops will spring up. Their cattle and donkeys will graze freely. Move of the Spirit. Not just a clouds forming and some rain. But God says there'll be a time of emptiness and barrenness until I move. Until the Spirit moves and it'll change everything and transform everything. And how before joy maybe gave way to sorrow, happiness gave way to sadness. Look at the transformation the other way. There'll be a fertile land. Your heart that was made for Jesus will be fertile. You know what that means? Barrenness and wilderness and desert life gone and given way to something that will produce life and life will flourish in itself. The inwardly, you will hear the life of Jesus that Jesus would come and mark His home in your heart. And I'm pretty sure my Bible testifies that Christ is life and He is light, and we should experience the fullness of life and life abundantly. Not just things happening in a nation, not just things happening in a community, but something happening in you. A fertile land, that the life of Christ would use you as a vessel that you would be the jar of clay and he would be the treasure. As God begins to move in his people, his people will experience life and experience light and will be an example of a dark, crisis-filled world that there is a hope in Jesus. And his people are not affected like the world's people. Or his people are full of joy and full of life, and full of hope, and full of Jesus, and they're fertile, not natural birth, but a supernatural birth, bringing life wherever we go, that no day is too hard that we cannot speak Jesus, that no day is too terrible even if grief comes knocking in our door, that we cannot at least stealth Raise our voices heavenwards and thank Him for another day, another opportunity. Until the Spirit moves, 
Joel prophesied about the Holy Spirit coming, that the Holy Spirit will fall on male, female, rich and poor, servant and leader. Spirit would move. Jesus says to the disciples when he was going, wait here. Wait in Jerusalem until Holy Spirit comes and fills you. They had no idea if he was really on about 120, he was obedient to the word. They didn't get careless with what Jesus was saying. They sat in the upper room. They just sat and waited. And then they blowing. That was like a mighty wind began to blow. This was the Spirit landing upon God's people. Before that, before the ministry of Christ, barrenness, wilderness, hopelessness. And then the fire of God came. And God filled His people, oh God. He filled them, oh Himself. 120 people. Jesus' mom Mary was there. There was women. There was kids. There was the disciples. They began to speak in tongues of fire. They became fertile. Spiritually fertile. They became spiritually alive. Oh, how we need the ministry of Holy Spirit today. No idea how some fellowships, some people would church in the front of the door and go other web pages, still ignore the ministry of Holy Spirit. It's the only answer for transforming you. And the only answer to see spiritual results is to see the Spirit move upon our lives and upon this land. Can I get at least a good, healthy Amen. It's the only why. Our morals are not saving anybody. God threw us well. And when they became filled with the Holy Spirit, they became spiritually fertile. Peter, remember Peter's story. He was barren, he was broken. He was the one that denied Jesus three times. But one moment, he got filled with the Holy Spirit. Weakness gave way to boldness and courage. He became spiritual, spiritually fertile. He preached the gospel the best he could. This was a guy full of regret. This was a guy full of the wilderness. This was a guy full of pride. But this is a guy reinstated through Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit. Preached the gospel, 3,000 people got saved. 3,000 men, plus women, plus kids. Does that sound fertile to you? Does that sound like a spiritual move, a rebirth, being born again, barrenness giving way to plenty, wilderness giving way to harvest? Everywhere they went, they preached Jesus, spoke Jesus, they moved in signs, wonders, and miracles. Dead people started to live again. Not just through Jesus on earth, but this time through His church, something far more unique. You'd expect it through the Son of Man, the Son of God. Far less a guy called Peter, that used to be a fisherman, that denied Jesus three times, and now he is. He's a dead girl. And what does he do? He's on fertile land. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He hears about this woman that did good deeds, Tabitha. She was a good woman, a righteous woman. He held, she died. 
But here's a guy full of Holy Spirit. Here's a guy with fertile land. Here's a guy not praying for a harvest. Here's a guy that's got an inner harvest within him. And he says, no, no, no. Went in with the sons of thunder. Knelt before the bedside. Prayed, Tabitha, get up. And she jumped to her feet. Resurrection power. Not just through, seen through Jesus, for I would expect, because he is the resurrection and the life, but through the church. Through somebody like you. Through somebody like me. What are the weaknesses of humanity? Yet full of Jesus. Can these dry bones live again, church? Do we get too involved with the battles of the world, with the crises, with the carelessness, or will the church return to Jesus, stand on truth, preach Him, be unashamed, and get involved at least the ministry of the Holy Spirit until the Spirit comes? There'll be nothing but preachers preaching and nothing happening. Ministries continuing and nobody getting saved, but when the Holy Spirit empowers His people, these dry bones can live again. These young people doing stairs, then I have to wander off in the wilderness, in the worldliness, but can be raised up as an army, Christ-centered, Jesus-following. Jesus worshiping, standing on the truth. Verse 20. I'll finish we here. I'll finish here. Verse 20. The Lord will greatly bless his people wherever they plant seed. Bountiful crops will spring up. Their cattle and donkeys will graze freely. Wherever they plant seed. This is what we've seen with the apostles. Whatever they did, God used. Whatever they planted, whatever they preached, whatever they did ministry, crops for the Lord sprung up. Their cattle and donkeys will graze freely. Jesus can do it through a willing people. He made one woman at the well. She's a wilderness woman. The well at Samaria that Jesus sent his disciples and to get some food and while he was there, this is Jesus himself, life himself, got the power himself of one woman that was in relational problems. Her heart was such a wilderness. But yeah, the Spirit was about to touch her. She was such a wilderness. She went from husband to husband to husband to husband, such a wilderness woman. Yet Jesus, through a conversation, they spoke about worship, and that Jesus wanted worshipers that would be led in spirit and in truth. Although it sound, must have sounded so confusing to that wilderness woman. Yet he exposed her wilderness heart, that it was lost, that it was broken, that it was empty. And she recognized, hold on, as he is speaking and exposing my heart, Life is coming into my very body. Life and purpose is coming to me, and He's exposing my heart. What a gift it is when God exposes your empty heart. Because so close to God exposing to your empty heart, He's setting you up to fill you. 
Nay that you are just left in a desperate scenario, but that he can come upon you in spirit and in truth. And this weary wilderness woman that had been tossed from side to side, from marriage to marriage, from marriage, one encounter with Jesus in spirit and in truth, she went back into Samaria, a place Jesus wouldn't have really supposed to go as a Jewish man. And she told other men, I've met somebody that could tell me everything that I have done, more than that. Life is being transferred to him to me, and I'm feeling alive, and I'm feeling joy, and I'm feeling so full of boldness, so full of purpose, that I'm telling other men, other men that used to, used to have a reputation with, I'm telling the men that you need to go and meet that guy. Go to the well. For there's a true prophet of God there. And it says that the ark came streaming. If you read your Bibles carefully in John, streaming. Because the river was moving. And when the river moves, people come streaming. Because they want to find this personal life and find this prophet and find Jesus. Because they're very disappointed with the meal the world is dishing up to them. Listen, watch the news, crisis, crisis, crisis. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that that which cannot be shaken will stand. I believe God is setting this nation up for a revival if the church of God wouldn't just focus on the crisis, but seeing that the crisis is leading people to emptiness, not a better person to speak the truth and love of Jesus into somebody than somebody that feels empty and unfulfilled in the world. Crisis, crisis, crisis. For greater opportunity for the gospel of good news to shine forth as people are searching and wondering, what on earth has gone on in this world? I was brought up in the 90s with new labor and I hadn't seen fine. And Scotland was good at football and there was a Euro 96 and watching Scotland against England and I hadn't seen fine. I was just drinking Buckfast and having a well at time. But suddenly, I'm searching for new wine and in a desperate scenario. And God is setting up the UK for a true move of God. Not through our denomination, but through the church, the called out ones. If the church would only move and believe that the solution is come Holy Spirit. They come new leader. They come a personality. They another denomination. Empowered fully from start to finish. We Holy Spirit, you will soon find your life given way. We are barrenness and wilderness to fertility for life could flourish. It's hard for us to see this in imagery because we're quite a green nation with green Hawaii. Unless you go walking at the beach first thing in the morning, we probably ain't got to see much deserts in our lifetime. But picture us, God saying, in one hand will be a desert, and next hand will be fertility in the middle of move of the Holy Spirit. Get the picture. Isaiah prophesied it, and there's no record that God was going to answer this naturally. They was going to say natural rain for the problem, pointing fully towards the move of the Holy Spirit. I'll end with us, Romans 14, 17 to 20. Let me pray for our kids, eh? Let me pray for them that gone through school and getting brought up, we are, this new stuff. But I believe that as the Holy Spirit move, felt our land, that the joy of the church, that Jesus' joy will return Ronald McDonald, Kentness, get the kids. 
Um, they've been dragged as a parent, guardian, grandparent to McDonald's for a happy meal. Oh, if it's really happy about the happy meal, a pocket of chips, three chicken nuggets. You get dragged there. Ronald McDonald knew. Get the kids. You get the parents, you get the grandparents, you'll get the whole family if you get the kids. Put a clown as the mascot because it looks like a circus. And get the kids. It was all about getting the kids. You're looking for their teaching kids, the world cans. Get the kids, you'll get the generation. The church needs to understand we need to be praying for our kids that they might be filled with the Holy Spirit. And get the kids, get the family. Ronald McDonald dresses like a clown and entices you to spend five quid and four chicken nuggets, pocket of chips, and a toy. And can't fit a happy meal. I'll tell you something, if the church gets full of the joy of Jesus, we'll be the happy meal. And they got to worry about kids' work or youth work because they want to experience joy. Real joy. Joy that doesn't fade. Joy you didn't need to buy. It was purchased through his blood. And we ask Romans chapter 14, and then we've got to pray for people. 17. The kingdom of God. And they church. As soon as you say church to people, they think you're already boring and got a place with pews and stained glass windows, and you're just a boring person. The gospel was about the kingdom of God. Jesus brought the kingdom. He never ever said, attend a place called church. Always he brought the kingdom, he brought the kingdom, he brought the kingdom. What is this kingdom about? For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or what we drink, but of living a life Christ-centered, of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. If your life doesn't embark, if that's not your present experience, you're lacking in the Holy Ghost. For the kingdom of heaven is goodness, in my version it says righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit through a gift, through grace, through faith. You imagine if we didn't wait till Sunday for a little spiritual top-up, but we came through these doors full of goodness, the God goodness, full of peace, the God peace, being a fertile land, full of joy, full of the Holy Ghost. That's church. That's the kingdom of heaven. We need a move of His Spirit. Let's stand and invite the worship team up. We will pray for people to simply be filled the Holy Spirit. Isaiah spoke about a time of barrenness, spoke about a time of discipline. Sometimes the best thing God can do for us is take away some stuff. You do it as a parent. Your kids are naughty. You withdraw so that they learn and they come back to you. Or else you just get spoiled brats. The Heavenly Father will allow you to feel empty if you're far from. He'll allow the thorns to come in if you're Christ careless, but that you would turn to Him and Holy Spirit will come upon your life, God Himself, and wash away all the rotten stuff. He didn't just offer you something, He offers you Himself. The woman at the well forgot nothing because she met Jesus. 
All the disappointment was washed away in the stream of God's love. Are your regret, are your wilderness, are your inner emptiness can be gone in a second and Holy Spirit fills you? How do you forget all the inferior stuff that's gone before? How do you forget that? When you encounter someone so superior, somebody so good, so loving and so kind, you get caught up in his goodness and the power of his affection washes away the dryness. It's like when I burn fuzz after biting, they scrape their knee. And you just want to buy your loving arms in a boom and you want to buy them a prize. Because in pointing in their direction, a wife is something that was inferior and empty. You give them something amazing so that they forget the emptiness and the heartbreak. The Apostle Peter soon forgot the regret. He soon forgot the denial because he became so full of Jesus and so full of a fertile Holy Spirit land. And through Holy Spirit coming and empower his people, we can see these dry bones live again through the Spirit moving. And I'm simply going to ask if you want prayer specifically and only. If you just want a prayer, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It could be that you feel empty. It could just be you go, I just got a bit careless. I've just lost a bit of my joy. It could just be you're just maybe like Peter stepping forward and saying, hey, I'm in a pretty good place. But I see the need for God to move and power in my life. Then I'm going to ask you simply to come forward as we worship. We'll pray for you a very simple prayer. We'll make a shout and holler. We'll pray a simple prayer. Lay hands on you as Jesus instructed, and we'll pray. We'll be full of God Himself. Every bad emptiness, every vacuum will be filled and washed away in the presence of the Most High God. For that is His way, and that is His will. Jesus, we thank you. Nay, for an it, Holy Spirit but a real Holy Spirit that wants to come as a promise to meet your people and the power of your presence. And as the kids come in, we invite them also very quickly, but very reverently and very real, that they would feel the power, the joy, the goodness, and the peace. And the dove would come and rest upon us as a community of believers. Fill us up and send us out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.